in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Dodgers lost to the Royals on Sunday. Had to happen at some point. That snapped a 12-game winning streak for the Dodgers, who now have a 16-game lead in the NL West and a five-and-a-half-game lead over the Astros for the best record in all of baseball. Only two two hits yesterday. Really? Yeah. Who the hell did the Royals pitch? They pulled Zach Greinke from 2011 Was it the football game, and I kept looking. Mbuki had a hit, and trying to think who else had a hit. Um... I don't even remember to tell you the truth. Who had this. Oh, uh, Chris Taylor had a hit. Yeah, they just took the whole day That's off. It. All right. I mean, you went 12, eh, 12 in a row. straight. What are you going to do? You can't be that upset by it. No, no. 12 straight? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not you, upset. All right. You believe they're the best team in baseball? No. Really? Five and a half is a significant margin over the second best team in baseball. No. I, I also believe the Royals aren't the best team in baseball. <laughs> I uh, believe the Astros are, and I believe, and I'll say it again, I was talking to someone at the football game yesterday, and there's always a chance he gets hurt. But I'm telling you, if DeGrom pitches like this and Scherzer's as good as he can be, they're going to be really tough to beat in the NL. DeGrom's on fire. Jacob DeGrom on Saturday, six shutout innings against the Phillies this season. He has thrown 16 and two-thirds, allowed six hits, three earned runs. Yeah. He has struck out 28 batters. Yes. Yeah. And walked one. Think about that. <laughs> he is striking out almost almost two per inning and has walked one batter in 16 and two-thirds. And you know I'm worried about the Padres, the way Blake Snell's oh, throwing. God. He's the not going to get out of the third in a playoff game. The man. way Blake Snell's throwing the ball right now. Even if he's good in a playoff game, he's going to have to throw 100 <laughs> pitches through three innings. It's what's going to happen. He's going to get a good three innings against the Dodgers. That would be it. But okay, you don't you not believe in they're the best team in baseball. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. (laughs) Lance McCullers made his season debut for the Astros on Saturday. Six innings, no runs, two hits. The Astros beat the A's. They swept the A's. But the Astros now, they have a six-man rotation again. And right now, Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier are all top 10 in the AL and ERA. Lance McCullers last season was second in the AL in ERA. Best team. Potentially, the Astros have four of the top 12, 15 starters in the American, in the American League. League. Potentially. We'll see. McCullers coming back for an injury, one start, but we'll see how good he is. But there's the potential there. They have four of the 12 or 15 best starters in the AL going into the postseason. You confident? In the pitching, yes. Will the Astros score enough runs? I do not know. And don't make me yell about Dusty Baker because that he's an old man that doesn't need to be managing a baseball team anymore. I, you weren't here. He... He... Okay. I've been wanting to talk about this for like two weeks. We're not talking about the Peacock. Oh, come on! He, you are not even listening to the show. He continues to play a worse center fielder than who should be their starting center fielder. He continues to play Mauricio Dubon over Chaz McCormick, even though McCormick is like three times the hitter that Dubon is. And when asked about it last week, he said, well, I've got to play Dubon so we can stop the runners going from first to third. <laughs> like, what? what? That happens <laughs> like once a the series, <laughs> not even once a game, that the center fielder has a chance to stop a guy from going first to third. And the worst part is, Dubon doesn't even have a stronger arm than Chaz McCormick. 
McCormick has a stronger arm. I do not. I he's how he's are they an so man. good? Because the previous front office and the current front office have done a good job of putting together a good roster that is almost impossible to mess up. Almost. Dusty will print. Last year, their roster was set. Dusty didn't have to make a single decision the entire year, except where to hit people in the order. But the roster was set. He didn't have to do anything. This year, they got a couple of question marks as to who should be playing, and he's just out here throwing the wrong guy in every position. It's unbelievable. They've only played Trey Mancini like six times in 12 games since they traded for him. And Dusty was like, well, when I got a fly ball pitcher on the mound, he can't play left field. And when I got a ground ball pitcher, he can't play first. I'm like, all right, when you got a ground ball pitcher, put him in left. When you got a fly ball pitcher, put him in first. I was going to say, put him in first. But he, he's, an, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. What do you think? Lights FC lost to San Antonio 2-0 on Saturday. San Antonio is the best team in the West of the USL. Lights are still in a playoff spot. They're still in seventh. Uh, the top eight make the postseason. They play twice this week. They play Wednesday, and then they're back at home on Saturday. So a big week. Big week for Lights FC. If they probably, if, if they, they split, if they win one of them, they're still going to be in good shape, right? Like making the playoffs, if you can just kind of be right around like a 500 team, you're probably going to end up in the postseason. So if they just sort of split everything the rest of the way, that's probably enough to get into the postseason. Like this year. They have nine wins, nine losses, six draws. That's about as 500 as it gets. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Las Vegas will host the NIT in 2023. The semis and the final of the NIT will be at the Orleans Arena in March. The 2024 NIT is going to be in Indianapolis. It is no longer at Madison Square Garden. Boy, they're just bouncing them around, aren't they? From Vegas to Indianapolis? I mean, no one went in New York. I got that. No one people going to come here. Well, that was my question. I mean, if I mean, they, I, I don't know. I don't know if people will come here. I think uh, here, here, what, here's what I say. I think they've already determined that not many people are going to come here, and that's why it's at the Orleans Arena. Oh, like we have so many arenas here that are bigger right. than the Orleans Arena. Well, when I heard when Adam told me this last week that it was happening, we're out at the uh, Raiders, and it kind of came across the uh, Twitter. I just assumed it was T-Mobile. Yeah, Orleans Arena. I just, yeah. yeah. So no, I, I think that is I think that is the NIT basically looking or the NCA who runs it basically looking at it and say okay we should put this in a smaller arena that way because it's an atmosphere if you draw five thousand fans and it's in a seven thousand seat arena or whatever yeah, you have atmosphere it's going to look good right. if you have five thousand fans and With it's T-Mobile. at T-Mobile which holds eighteen thousand yeah it's going to look bad it's going to look terrible it's going to so, look like New York right so I think they've already sort of admitted hey we're probably getting four five six thousand people to come to this. Let's put it in an arena that fits that. And that's what the Orleans Arena is. By the way, are we going to get every sporting event that nobody cares about? Well, we're on our way. Like we are like every B-level sport and C and D-level sporting event is coming to Vegas, baby. They're like, that's a hot spot. Like the IFL championship was here. And like that, like what are we getting? How okay, many we, have, at that? we have taken out two partners today. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not taking anybody out. We're getting everything that nobody cares about. What happened with the IFL championship? Alan Snell tweeted out a picture. There were like seven people at the game. Happy to move on to the next question here. Garrett's moving on quickly. Not quick enough, apparently. Zach Wilson will miss two to four weeks with a torn meniscus and bone bruise. He left the Jets preseason game after a non-contact injury. A lot of people thought he was going to have a torn ACL. But he did not. Uh, he's only going to miss two to four weeks, apparently. 
Joe Flacco is the Jets' backup. The timeline, by the way, for Zach Wilson means he could miss week one. He could be back in time, but he could miss week one, which would leave Joe Flacco as the starter in week one. Where do you start? At, where do you stand on playing starters? In the preseason? Yeah. I would play Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. He was not good enough last right. year, second year. I would play Zach Wilson. Otherwise, like I would I would not play many starters, especially quarterbacks, if they're proven. established yeah. and they know what they're doing. Derek Carr level, not playing okay. him. Like Justin Herbert's never played a preseason snap. Maybe I might have played him as a rookie, maybe, but like now, Justin no. Herbert's not playing a preseason snap. Mahomes played the other day. Yeah, he did, which uh, a little interesting. That was uh, surprising. I would not play Mahomes unless maybe if the players requested it or something for some reason. But otherwise, I'm I'm not playing him. Carr, you're sitting on the sideline the entire preseason because what do I need you to work on your rapport with Devontae Adams, please? You better still have it. All I've heard about is how much you played together in college, so you better not need some more time. Next question. Armani Rogers. Ooh, can he make the team? Caught three passes for 12 yards for the commanders in their preseason game. That is former UNLV quarterback Armani Rogers, who signed as an undrafted free agent to play tight end for the commanders. All right. So he caught three passes in this game in the first half, right? I was like, oh, where's Armani Rogers on the commander's depth chart? Does he have a chance to make it? I look it up. He's sixth. On their tight end depth chart. They have nine guys on the depth chart at tight end. Why do they have so many tight ends? Practice squad? He's six. That's not even good enough for practice well, squad, Well, I mean, is it? practice squad, if he keeps playing well, you know, if he keeps doing something throughout the preseason. If the commanders kept three tight ends and then kept two on the practice squad, yeah, maybe he's got a shot. Amount, he'd still be left out because well, he's six. Again, unless he unless he does something over the next several weeks, I mean, he might continue to play well. May, I mean, three for twelve isn't that impressive, but well, at one point as as uh, it was tweeted out, he was their leading receiver at twelve yards. Yes, I yes. just I was stunned. They have twelve tight ends on their depth chart. Absolutely, like why would or why would you need their nine tight ends? Why would you the need commanders. that many tight ends? Like we made fun of John Gruden because he like would have four, and the commanders are out here with nine on their preseason depth chart. That's ridiculous. There's there's a whole second line just for I the tight say, ends on their depth chart. I was going to say, usually on those depth charts, when you Google those depth charts, it gives you like four guys. Right. But theirs is, it's one, two, three, four, and then there's a second line below it that continues on until you get to nine. It's ridiculous how many tight ends they have. Oh, what are they doing with these guys? Great question. Kenny Pickett threw for 95 yards in his preseason debut. He was 13 of 15 with two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown in the final 10 seconds. But here's the interesting part. Mitch Trubisky started the game, and Mason Rudolph came in before Kenny Pickett. Is he really third string? Not if he keeps playing like that. I still think Mitch Trubisky starts. I still think Mitch Trubisky starts. Oh, I think he does too, and I think the Steelers are morons for doing so. Yeah, I was... Am I the only one that's seen Mitch Trubisky play and gone like... (laughs) Well, he's he's definitely earned nothing. nothing. Like, if you're the Steelers, okay, here's here's the question about the Steelers. What are you afraid of screwing up? Or what are you afraid of Kenny Pickett screwing up? Like, Well, his last name is not great. Like Mike Tomlin's playoff streak? Is that really it? Like, that he goes 8-8 eight and eight or better every year? Like, I just... If you're the Steelers, you do not have a Super Bowl contender, right? You're not the 49ers last year with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback 
and hey, we're not going to play so Trey Lance. You're so good everywhere else. Right. We're not going to try Trey Lance out now right. because we've got a shot and Jimmy Garoppolo maybe won't screw it up. But this year, if you're the Steelers, you're not winning the Super Bowl. And the upside on Mitch Trubisky is basically nothing. Whereas the upside on Kenny Pickett is... Guy could be really good. We, I mean, you got to see. Guy, he could be terrible. But at least if he's terrible, then you know he's terrible. And you need to go find another quarterback. I just... I don't understand why you would throw away the chance to see what Kenny Pickett is right now. And as we talk about all the time, the most valuable thing in this sport is a quarterback on his rookie contract that plays well, obviously. Maybe they're treating the uh, depth chart like the UNLV is. They have the real guy number third. <laughs> and then eventually when the game starts, they're like, all right, you're the starter. That would be fun, but I actually think I agree with you. I, <laughs> I think, think it's going to be start. Trubisky, and I think it's going to – I mean – that's a eight win team, right? That's an eight and nine team that misses the playoffs in the AFC. That's what that is. And if Kenny Pickett starts, maybe that makes him a six win team because he's not very good. But if Kenny Pickett starts oh. and he is good, maybe they win eleven or twelve and they could win the division. I'm but, gonna I'm gonna feel really bad for Mitch because he's gonna hear Pickett chanted and it's just gonna be like, oh no, no, it's the other team chanting because they know you're gonna throw like directly to them. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some baseball and Fernando Tatis's suspension for steroids. It stunned everybody, um, but you know it was better than finding out during during the game and then having that go out through the dugout. So, you know, AJ made the right call, even though we found out late to talk to the team right before we went on the field. All of the sun, none of the fun on the press box summer edition. Fernando Tatis got an 80-game suspension for PED use, so he will miss the rest of this season, not eligible for the postseason, and will miss games to start next season as well because there are not 80 games left in the year. Um, You buy in his ringworm excuse, and the drug that he tested positive for apparently helps treat ringworm. Uh, I'm not buying it because I think everyone (laughs) who tests positive is juicing. I'm completely... uh on the board with uh, that side of things. What are what are the odds that somebody is not using a PED after they test positive? Like, there's got to be at least one or two guys that have actually, like, innocently tested Eating positive. the contaminated meat? Yeah, or the oh. whole lemon poppy seed muffins that went around for a while as a Seinfeld. constant excuse. Seinfeld. Uh, the one that I always enjoy is, we're trying to have another baby, and that's why I was taking testosterone. <laughs> do you believe him no no ringworm <laughs> there was a i saw i i saw on twitter i didn't actually look in to see how real this is there's a 24 7 hotline for mlb players that they can call and ask about like things they're about to take and say hey can i take this or will this will sure. i test positive they should know something? everything or, or if you're making 340 million dollars you should have someone telling right. you like I have, what you can take or not. I have no expectation that Fernando Tatis knows everything he might eat or take if it's going to have a random banned substance in it. But I do have confidence that the Padres and Major League Baseball provide enough resources to these players yes. that they can ask. Yes. That they can and find out. And not hire your own person. Yeah, that they can find out if I can or cannot take whatever this is for his ringworm that he says that he had. I mean, at what point is the responsibility on the Padres to provide him with clean urine? <laughs> is it a urine test or is it a blood test? Our, all right, clean, clean blood. blood. <laughs> I mean, Lance Armstrong was swapping out blood. What? 
Yeah. Fernando, why is your blood match Bob Melvin's? What's happening here? Are you a 70-year-old white man? <laughs> just, just Bob Melvin. Bob, are you okay? You you don't look good. Just had to donate like four or five blinds. So what I thought was interesting is Tatis obviously gets suspended, but then you have quotes from players about Tatis needing to be smarter. And then you had one from their GM, AJ Preller, who said, I think what we need to get is to a point in time where we trust over the course of the last six or seven months. I think that's been something that we haven't really been able to have. Fernando Tatis, remember, he's not playing this year because he got in a motorcycle Motorcycle accident. accident. And if you recall, when asked by the media about his motorcycle accident, his first response was, which one? Right? Like he got into multiple motorcycle accidents apparently in the offseason. And that's how he got hurt. That's why he's not playing. And now he tests positive for a banned substance. And the Padres are looking around saying, So we gave this guy a 14 year contract. And when's he going to play for us? Right. Right? Like it's one thing if a guy gets hurt playing baseball, right? It's one thing if like he's performing his on-field duties. Yes, he's performing his craft and something happens right. and that's what ha- that's happens all the time. But they're not going to have an entire season plus some of next year plus of Fernando 40 plus, Tatis, 40 plus games. Of Fernando Tatis because he crashed a motorcycle and he's taking a banned right. substance. If I if, if I'm the Padres, I'm sitting back saying, "All right, what what's going on? What do we need to do and did we screw up by giving right. this guy a 14-year deal?" Cuz that's a it's uh, he's in what year one or two of the extension? Two, two. Like talking about twelve more years after this. <laughs> like how many how many full seasons are they going to get out of Fernando Tatis? I've never. Well, I shouldn't say never, but I've rarely seen a GM that honest and upfront. Yeah. Oh, and he continued on. That wasn't his only oh, quote. Yeah, yeah. He was he was pissed. Like to say basically, we don't trust Fernando Tatis. Right. We, <laughs> the face of the franchise that has a fourteen year contract, we don't trust him. That's incredible to say out loud. It's incredible to think in the first place, but it's incredible to say that out loud that we don't trust the face of the franchise who has a 14 year deal with us, has 12 more years on his contract with us. This isn't like, Oh, the guy signed for a couple more seasons. They signed for 12 more seasons. It's a ridiculous amount of time for somebody you don't trust. But I guess on the good side, you've got a lot of time to build up that trust with him. He's got 12 more years (laughs) unless he does something else. Oh, the Padres. Man. So hold on. I need I need to know. What was your reaction when you saw Tatis is not going to play this year and is ineligible for the postseason? Well, I mean, Jared, can I were... predict? Ah, that's a shame. Oh, my gosh. I think I tweeted that. <laughs> I think I tweeted that's a shame. And then the neighbors didn't know why I was screaming so loud. <laughs> Because I was so excited. He was he was dancing. He had, he had just gotten out of the shower. He was dancing at a towel in the neighborhood, which was like, all right. Although, as I guess Preller and Melvin said in the meeting with the players, look, he hasn't been with us all year. So, <laughs> what's it? What's you know? I mean, you've got you've got Juan Soto now. You've got Bell. You've got Snell pitching the way he is. I think I think their message was yes. He would have been probably made them it better. Been nice. It would have been nice to have him, but they haven't had him all year. So just don't change anything. That's that's uh, tough if you're the Padres long term. I mean, this season, I don't know. They're going to have to win a short series against the Dodgers or something. Well, he's like that. next year again. It's forty plus games. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's coming coming back. He's not starting the season. He'll miss more than a month. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking about close to two months that he's going to be out. And granted, in the long ski or long term, that probably shouldn't have too big of an impact, right? Like maybe they'll be in an actual division race with the Dodgers for once. And maybe you look back and say, well, if we had him for those 40 games, we could have won two more or something like that. But like overall, that won't make a big deal other than it's just, hey, this guy's unavailable because of something he did off the field. And the team says they don't trust him. The good news is his full no trade clause ends in uh, 2029. <laughs> oh, so before the deal ends. Look at that. They yeah, can, then it goes to a 10 team. They can trade him. In a, well, they'll try to trade him to one of the teams on that list and, and get rejected. And then they'll have to send him somewhere else like Eric Hosmer. Why the Padres hand out so many no trade clauses? I assume Hos- Eric Hosmer got a no trade clause. I assume they that they do the negotiation tactic of, all right, put this in so that we can take it out when they ask for more money. They didn't ask for more money. Is it nice to live here or something? <laughs> All right. Here's the story Jared has been desperate to talk about. Yes! It's like it's like a week old, almost two weeks old. But two two Sundays ago, the Astros played the Guardians, uh, and the game was broadcast on Peacock. Dusty Baker had COVID at the time, so he was not managing the team. I believe he was just stuck in his hotel room in Cleveland. And Dusty Baker said that he did not watch the game. Did not watch the Astros play because he doesn't get Peacock. And therefore, there was no other way to watch it. So he instead watched a Bob Marley documentary. <laughs> and this, gets, ke- this guy gets better and better. And kept up with the game on his phone. This guy's like, going to win the World Series. He had the score brought up on his phone. He's going to win the World Series again, and he has absolutely no idea what's the happening. The Astros have a better chance to win the World Series if he spends every game watching a Bob Marley documentary <laughs> than managing the team. Whenever they're supposed to fill out the lineup, put on a Bob Marley documentary. Can you and somebody get Peacock in a hotel? In. And I'm being very serious because okay. I have absolutely no idea if you can. If you have a laptop or a phone, which he said he was following the game along on his phone. The score. you can, Yeah, you can get Peacock. Now, Dusty Baker's probably not going to sit and watch a phone screen for three hours to watch no, a but baseball a computer. game. But if he has a computer and, like... It, I don't, I don't know how fancy of a hotel he's staying in. Well, it better be fancy. It wouldn't be out of the question that the hotel has a smart TV. And if it has a smart TV, you can download the Peacock app right on the TV. Okay, you're sending someone over for all this nonsense. Well, and that maybe I that mean, he's was not the doing issue. any of this. Maybe that was the issue. He had COVID and they couldn't send somebody into yeah, his room. Th- because there's no chance he's doing all that. But I don't even think you need a subscription to watch the MLB you do not, games. No, no, you do not have to have a subscription. You don't have to pay for you Peacock. Just, you just free. turn it on. Yeah, yeah, they're free. You just have you have to you have to have an account. Like you have to give them your email, create a password, okay. but you don't have to pay for Peacock for MM. Yeah, for anything or for MLB, just for the MLB games, right? If you want to, like, I watch soccer. The soccer Premier League's on Peacock. You got to pay to watch the soccer games on Peacock, but you can just create an account. So something about baseball. <laughs> not pay any money, and it's free on Peacock. So all he had to do, I'm. Does Dusty Baker use laptops? What do you guys think? He has to. Yes, he has to. I mean, I don't know how I don't know Mike, how deep he goes into it and just I mean, hopefully just maybe just signs he on. He said he wasn't playing a certain center fielder because the other guy could throw out guys going first to third. So I'm not putting anything past him on living. I in bet he has one. I don't know if he turns it on. I bet he has one because he feels he needs to have one. Or maybe he has one I, of those I assume iPads. the team issued him yeah, one. Yeah, maybe they've issued him one of those iPads that guys always look at their last at bat on, and he's like scrolling through that thing. 
I'm my guess is he's, he's just in the dugout playing Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be better if he was. If they can distract this man with Bob Marley documentaries, they'll win the World Series. But that's how Dusty Baker handled a game being on Peacock is by simply not watching it and instead watching a Bob Marley documentary. I just need like the next time he goes out to the pitcher, like the pit, like talk to the pitcher on the mound. They just start playing like "No Woman, No Crime," or like they just start playing Bob Marley songs anytime Dusty Baker Go, like, leaves the dugout. Yeah, leaves the da- dugout. Oh, Dusty Baker. See, this story I don't mind that much. The whole I'm not playing a guy because the other guy throws out guys going first to third more is ridiculous. No, because this story, no, this is given charming. This Dusty's is just, age, is right. plausible. It's just Dusty Baker. It's just being Dusty an, Baker, an old man who and he doesn't like. know what he's doing. Right, but. Yeah, wind-up decisions. Ridiculous. All right, coming up next, Mike Ramallah joins the show. Rabotham. Here's the ball to Coleman. Marvin out top. Over to Blair. Left side, Clyburn. Chris working on Taylor. Comes in the lane. Gets bumped. No call. Chris, now they, did they finally call it? The other way. <laughs> now they call it on Nick Blair on the Rebels. Chris Clyburn got thrown across the lane. The officials completely let that go. This is ridiculous. I mean, again, it is not why the Rebels are trailing by 16 points. Nick just picked up his fourth, but uh, that's just out of frustration. I mean, Clyburn got thrown across the lane. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Gramala. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Mike. Hi, guys. All right. Help, help I got me. a feeling he's out of football practice. Help me out. Oh, wait, are you at football practice? I am at football oh, practice. Oh, all right. Do you, yeah. Have you noticed anything good this morning? Anything to report to us before you write it well, in the newspaper? They haven't officially opened the gate for the media, so we're kinda, I'm kind of looking through the, the gaps in the fence again. It, but, uh, no, I haven't noticed anything newsworthy yet. Okay. So it's him and Steve Cofield standing outside of fence. <laughs> um all right, well, I'll, I'll give you a football question to start with. We are, like, what, less than two weeks away now from UNLV opening the season. Uh, give us a prediction right now. Who starts at quarterback? Doug Brumfield. Oh. What, what, makes, you say, what makes you say Doug? Uh, he's just been number one throughout uh, all of training camp. Um, you know, I've uh, before camp started, I predicted Harrison Bailey. Um, but... Brumfield has just been the number one guy. He's first in every drill. Uh, they haven't really moved off of that. It just seems like at this point, if you're going to make that change, like maybe you would have done it by now. I know it's not game week yet, but if you if they really were planning to make Bailey the guy or if they were um, going to do that, you'd figure they would start shifting towards, you know, giving him a, a bigger share of the, the reps and, we haven't really seen that. It's still Doug Brumfield, so that could still change. We have another week of camp, and then we have a game week of, of practices. Maybe they'll do it that way. But for right now, pretty much everyone's still getting an even amount of reps, and Brumfield has been the number one guy the whole way. I mean, they're open to Idaho State, so that better be a win. Do you think that this is actually a year where Marcus Arroyo will settle on a guy and go with him for a while? He's got to get it right in week one at least because we remember last year he picked the wrong guy coming out of training camp. That cost them a game in week one, and that was pretty much set the tone for the season. So whichever guy he picks, they've got to, they've got to win that game in week one. So the, the good news is I, I think that all three of these guys 
whoever he picks will would lead the team to a win. Uh, they'll be one and zero no matter who they pick. So like, it's not like last year where if you pick the wrong guy, that guy is going to play so badly that you're going to lose the game because of it. I think Cameron Friel can win that game. I think Harrison Bailey can win that game. I think Doug Brumfield can win that game. So um, you would like to see them get some stability at that position for an entire season for once. Uh, but I just don't think it's a crucial decision maybe so much for week one. Chances he plays all three of them. We'll, we'll move past week one because there's a blowout potential. Chances he plays all three of them in competitive snaps in the first two weeks. In the first two weeks, I'm not sure if that's going to happen barring injury. But for the entire season, I would definitely say that you'll see all three guys. Like I don't see just from the way that they've, handle quarterbacks no no one has really separated themselves i do think we'll see all three of them at, at some point but um no i i think it's barring injury if brumfield gets to start in week one they'll win the game and then why would you move off him for week two at that point no i, I think i think they can stick with one guy for at least two weeks <laughs> not much confidence there that they'll have a same starter for two weeks um Okay. All right. Ed, do you have more football questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Chuck Wagon, who, who's who's the guy? Aiden Robbins, the Louisville kid? He looks like the, the most physically capable. He's a big guy. He's fast. It's just it's hard to tell in training camps just because, you know, that you can't really tell who eludes tacklers and who can squeeze out the extra two or three yards out of a pile. Like, you just can't tell that stuff. So I, he looks like the, the biggest, strongest, fastest guy. Um so I, I would think that he would get the first opportunity to be that, that number one back. Whoever it ends up being, I don't think they're going to be a running team. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more than we've seen in the past. So, yeah, he's the number one guy, but it might he's not going to be Chuck Williams. It's not going to be that kind of share of the offense either way. Ah, the airport's apparently back open and running. That's good. Um, can you answer a basketball question for me? Who is going to be Kevin Kruger's best player this season? I think it's going to be... Elijah Harkless, once he gets healthy, he's got the best track record of any of these guys. I think they brought him in with the plan being, hey, you were pretty good at Oklahoma. We're going to put you in the Mountain West. You're going to be an all-conference kind of player here. So I think he's the guy. The guy I've been the most impressed with has been Keyshawn Gilbert. Now, Harkless isn't playing, and in his absence, Gilbert has been the best player through these 10 practices that they've had leading up to their, their exhibition games so, yeah, I think those are the two guys um, that I think are going to be the identity of the team. They're going to play a ton, and they're going to sort of set the tone for how good the team is going to be this year. What has surprised you and not about all the practices you've gone to? Uh, surprising. I guess the thing I'm not surprised by the defense. Like, the defense is way ahead of the offense. Like, they are doing a good job of taking away open shots. You can tell that they're just they're athletic and longer. Um, it's a different kind of team just because last year Bryce Hamilton was their best player, and he's obviously an offensive-minded guy, and he's doing what he can on defense, but that's just not his game. Whereas this year, if Kevin Kruger wants to throw out five-plus defenders at once you know, with switchable guys at all positions, like they can do that. So, I mean, it's not surprising uh, the defense that they're playing, but I would say you know, Gilbert's ascension was – Maybe the most surprising thing, like we, he was a all-defense guy last year, couldn't shoot, didn't really do much on offense, but you watch him in practice. He's driving, he's getting to the rim, he's throwing kick-out passes, 
He's running the offense like a point guard, which I wasn't sure he was capable of. Uh, I think his uh, leap forward has been uh, surprising to me. Are you excited to watch them play random Canadian teams on YouTube at like midnight this week? Uh, you think they're going to be up by midnight? You don't think they're going to be ready to go by midnight? I have no idea. What they're, <laughs> like, the, the games are not being broadcast live uh, over, uh, to watch a stream, but after the game, UNLV is going to put up the videos, sort of a tape delay kind of thing, uh, on a website somewhere. I, I'm not expecting it to be immediately after the final buzzer sounds. If it's if I start those games by midnight, I'll be happy. I'll take that right now wow. if you offer, if that's what Man. you're offering to me. Man, that's not good. We're waking up the next morning. We, am I going to be watching it during the show on Wednesday? Is what you're telling me? Could that could that make for a good show? Do you think <laughs> you and Ed just like breaking down film? Am I just randomly <laughs> reacting? It might be better than usual. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Some grainy University of Calgary film. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Um, all right. Uh, what did you think of the crowd at UNLV's open practice? Are you, I mean, they had more than they expected. Did you were you surprised that they got that many people to come watch them practice uh, for a random day in August? Listen, they they estimated that crowd at practice at 500 people. And uh, Tyler, you and I were there last year. Uh, they had those games on the strip where the attendance was what 320 something. So yeah. they had more people at that practice than they did for some games last year. So. Yeah, that's surprising. I didn't expect full bleachers, full upstairs, downstairs. Um, and they had to add in, you know, folding chairs along both sides of the court. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good sign. At least uh, if people aren't excited about the quality of the team this year, they're at least excited about the program itself, as in, like, the program is being inclusive. They're sort of marketing themselves again. Kevin Kruger is a, a good guy for that. You know, he'll say hi to every single fan in the arena. He'll make the players go say hi to everyone. So it's like it's a if, – if people aren't expecting an NCAA tournament team, at least they know they'll have a good time watching this team and supporting them. Maybe we'll see more people at the games this year. But, yeah, I was surprised to see that many people. Yeah, do you think they're – you hit it on the head, I think. I mean, that thing was marketed. I saw things all week and weeks before that they were going to do this. Do you think they've uh... – Upgraded their marketing? Has marketing not been what it should be in the last several years with this basketball program? They definitely cut back on marketing. Um, I know that when Lon Kruger was here, you know, Lon Kruger, he had, you know, his own employees that were, I believe, draw, like being paid out of what the school was paying Lon, and he had sort of his own staff that was dedicated to marketing the team, um, getting the word out there, just uh, getting people to buy tickets, getting people into the arena. Uh, because he knew how important that was. And then when Lon left to Oklahoma, like those positions sort of disappeared. It went just back to regular staff, and those people have other things to worry about. They're not dedicated 24-7 to selling tickets. So it definitely took a downturn, and we've seen like the results of that. Uh, Marvin Menzies, T.J. Offenberger had a tough time getting people out to the, to the home game. So, yeah, if, if, they're, if they're whatever they're doing to turn it around, like it's, it's, it has to be done. So. I think that's a good start to see in the middle of August when opening night is still like three months away to see enough people come in to fill your practice arena. It's got to be a good sign, I think. All right, Mike. Enjoy football practice. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike. He's Mike Gravala from the Las Vegas Sun covering UNLV basketball and football. Um, Yeah. By the way, Bischoff's briefs today, Ed. I'm going to give you full overreactions to my one day at UNLV basketball. About how good they are. We'll see. We'll see how these overreactions go.
you think is all going to be positive? Well, come on. (laughs) There's some positive. There's some negative. That's uh, all right. We'll get into it. You're overreacting. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump in to the one seed in the WNBA playoffs, the Las Vegas Aces. Defense. January still has it. Aces would love a stop. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. Unbelievable. Boom. Goes the dynamite here. Mark Davis on his feet. 8,000 plus on their feet. And the Aces have retaken the lead at the end of three. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. The Aces beat the Seattle Storm (laughs) 109-100 yesterday. Chelsea Gray had 33 points and 9 assists. Asia Wilson at 25 and 10. And as a result, the Aces clinched the one seed in the WNBA playoffs, which means they will play the eight seed Phoenix Mercury in the first round. It is a three-game series. We talked about this last week. Games one and two will be in (laughs) Vegas. If they do not sweep those two games, a deciding game three will be back in Phoenix. So there's a chance the one seed is playing on the road in a deciding game of a series based on the WNBA's new format, uh, which will be fun. Um Aces, so here, if we look at the team right now, they ended the season number one in offensive rating and tied for sixth in defensive rating. That, well, I thought, I think six was a little surprise given what we saw in the beginning of the year. If you'd have told me in the beginning of the year they were going to be six, I would have been surprised at that. Well, they were still, even the beginning of the year, I think they got as high as like fifth or fourth in defensive rating. And then middle of the season, they really struggled. They had like a 10-game stretch in the middle of the season where they were the worst defensive team in the league. And then the last 10 games of the regular season, the Aces had the best offensive rating and were fourth best in defensive rating. So the question is, how good do they have to be defensively to win the WNBA title? Six in defensive rating. I think if they're sixth, there's, they've got a shot to do it. The margin for error is very slim, right? The offense has to continue to be best in the league. If they were, you know, fourth best defense in the league, about at that level like they were for the last 10 games, I think they're winning the WNBA title. Because the offense, here's the thing, in the postseason, I'm assuming the offense is going to be, a, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them offensively, right? Especially in the playoffs, in the semis, yes. if they play Seattle or Washington, you're going to have much more hyper-focused uh, yes. schemes from the opponent. So the, the offense will probably get a little bit worse, but if the defense can be at that level where it's, hey, one of the four best in the WNBA, I think that's going to be enough. If the defense is, hey, you're playing as about the sixth best defense then in the you WNBA, better score a lot. if the offense stays as good as it is, they can the, still win I it. think they'll win the title. But I'm expecting the offense to come down a little bit, which means the defense needs to come up a little bit for them to still be WNBA titles. But I do think there's a legitimate chance we're talking about the Aces don't win the title. The Aces are eliminated in the semis or they lose in the because finals defensively. because their defense wasn't good enough. I think there's a legitimate chance that's the conversation we're having at some point. And there's a legitimate chance we're talking about Dierica Hamby's injury combined with the lack of depth that they have as that being a big reason why they're not as good defensively because Hamby could conceivably be back for some time during the semifinals. Maybe it's going to be later than that. 
but she has the best defensive rating on the team, right? She's a good defender. And there's a chance that that combined with lack of depth is a reason why the aces don't win the title. They took like the second quarter yesterday was hilarious how bad they were. And they still won that game. And also the storm were just like nailing threes the entire time. See, I don't think made 18 threes yesterday. It was ridiculous. Like that yesterday was a perfect example of the aces are go can outscore you. Like regard the the Seattle Storm were eighteen of forty on threes. That's forty five percent from three. That's a ridiculous volume. That's insane. Yeah, and the Aces won the game. Like that yesterday was a perfect example of the Aces can they just win score you despite even if they have a bad defensive game, they can do it. Now we saw plenty of times in the middle of the season they lose games because the defense is not good and the offense isn't good enough to put up one hundred and nine points like they were yesterday. So. I'm fascinated to see how they look in the postseason. I'm curious to see how Becky Hammond looks as a coach in a series where mm-hmm. you're getting game-to-game adjustments playing the same exact team over and over. Do they thrive under Becky Hammond, or do they ultimately lose because they don't make enough adjustments to win games in the postseason? Would you give Asia Wilson the MVP? She's. I think she's going to win it. I think she probably should win it. Um, her and Brianna Stewart are the two front runners. Both had good games yesterday. Uh, Wilson was better, I think, overall. Had probably the biggest play of the game, too, when she blocked Brianna Stewart there in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I, I'm still going to... Let me ask you, does this matter to you? Having a player on your team that is outscoring you and is more efficient than you, does that should that detract from Asia Wilson's MVP status? Because that's what Kelsey Plum is. More points per game has a better um, all of the like efficiency it's a great, metrics. It's a great for point. I didn't know she was that much more efficient. Yeah, she. It's not much more. Like they're basically very similar in well, all efficiency metrics. But Plum has a slight more edge so in, like, than Asia not being deserving. I think it's what you asked Andy: is that why isn't Kelsey more involved yeah. in the conversation? I mean, because Kelsey Plum is out here tweeting Asia Wilson should be the MVP, right. and I'm like, yeah, maybe you should be right. I'm like, yeah, I I hear you, but like. You also should kind of be right. an MVP, a legitimate MVP candidate. candidate. And I, I mean, I will say this: the idea we talk about this with like awards a lot, splitting votes. They're split votes. You could look at the Aces and say, "Well, I'm going to vote for Asia Wilson." Somebody says, "Well, I'm going to vote for Kelsey Plum," and then Brianna Stewart. Wins Brianna it. Stewart wins so the award. There might be a level of this with Kelsey Plum saying, "All right, Asia Wilson's got a better chance to win it. I'm going to go all in on saying she should win it. That way, nobody votes for me, and Asia Wilson wins it." Right. Not. Brianna Stewart. I well, don't think many people, despite what you said, will vote for Kelsey Plum. I don't either. I don't either. But it is interesting to me, like when we talk about most valuable and that stuff, like there's a player on Asia Wilson's team. If she wins the MVP, there's a player on her team that you can argue had a better season than Asia Wilson. Like I think Asia still had the better season. Andy had the best point earlier. They run through Asia Wilson, right? Like that's she's the focal point of the team, and that's a big reason why she should be the MVP. But it is like you can argue that Kelsey Plum had a better mm. season. And that Kel- here's the other part of this. We're talking about value. Who has more value to the Aces? Right? Asia Wilson's really good. Best player on the team. They run everything through her. Are the Aces the one seed in the WNBA without Kelsey Plum? No. They're not the one seed without Asia Wilson either. But right. like Kelsey Plum brings a ton of value to this team as well. Right. And this team went from being a good offensive team the last three seasons Kelsey Plum has a breakout year, and they're the best in the league. They're the best in the league. And they're it's a great not offensive close. Team. They, right. It's not close. They right. are far and away right. the best offensive team, and I think that is because Kelsey Plum had such a great season. So, like, again, it should be Asia Wilson. I think it's going to be Asia Wilson, but I do think it's funny that 
there's an MVP that's going to win the player's going to win the MVP. Yeah, no slight to Asia. It's just that, like you said, why is not Kelsey Moore in the conversation? And maybe that's it. Maybe they're all like, hey, we got to get we got to get her the award. So let's just get behind her for that. Yeah, might yeah. I mean, that might be the case that they kind of said, hey, let's just put you Asia don't want Wilson out. Here. Two people out there splitting votes. Yeah. Although if I'm Kelsey Plum, I'm saying, hold up. Wait a minute. Why am I not being get, the one pushed out there? Give me the votes there? here. I got to sign contracts in the future too. I want those MVP votes. That'll help me in my negotiations. Although I, she, she's locked up for two years, so she's got a little ways to go before she starts actually uh, renegotiating another contract there. But it's a team with two players. And here's the funny part about the Aces and why they probably win the WNBA title. We're talking about Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum as like the MVP candidates here. Chelsea Gray went for 33 yesterday. Yes. <laughs> like. It was her career high, but like this team has a ridiculous amount of players that can yeah. score 30.